All right, here we are. We are at uh, Munitions Podcast. It is April 4th, uh, 2023. Munitions Podcast is uh, continuing on. And for those, I'm Steve Palmer. and here with Derek DeBras. We're coming at you regularly with our Munitions Podcast. And, you know, the idea of this podcast is not just to talk about legal stuff, boring, drab uh gun laws because you know let's face it that's interesting sometimes and there's a lot of gun stuff in the news and there's different case law that comes out but uh there's a lot more to it you know when when it really where the rubber meets the road is when people have guns at home or or uh, engage in um firearms and activities whether it's a uh, range shooting or hunting or uh or just real people that like firearms you know and that's that was the purpose of this podcast to make it interesting for those folks and then we had um a group an actual gun club group reach out to us uh, Derek, a few weeks ago, and want to come into the podcast, which tells us a couple of things. One, uh, we're not that boring. Somebody's listening. Um, <laughs> and, and and two, there are people out there that, in a grassroots way, have uh, that have an interest in firearms. And you know, we can maybe cut through some of the the rhetoric and the nonsense and the politics we hear on TV, and, and really have a good discussion here uh, with these folks here from the from the Unity Gun Club. And uh, I guess Eddie, you're the you're the head honcho, or this the the, the guy who's going to start. That's what I'm told anyway. So why don't you tell us about the Unity Gun Club, how it got started, introduce yourself, and then we'll just see where it takes us. Okay, um, I'm EJ. Um, I am the VP of Unity Gun Club. Um, I started this club. I, my idea for the club came from uh, being at a concealed carry course that I took for the second time. I didn't know I didn't have to, and um, I met a guy who had a black gun club here in Columbus. And I asked him about if my wife at the time, who was white, if she could join. And he told me no. So um, then I took an instructor's course not too long after that. Mind you, I didn't join that club. Um, I met these two gentlemen at at that instructor's course. And I think me and KP, we linked up. And I told them the story about, you know, what happened when I wanted to join the gun club. And so we started talking about starting our own. So that's that's where Unity came from. How did you guys find us? Um, like Steve well, said, there's at least four people listening. Right. Yeah. So um, I think I'm the one that found the podcast, but I think I know you mentioned that he he um, you had followed him on YouTube. Oh, yeah, I think I subscribed <laughs> to your channel. Yeah. So. And I've been watching your stuff for I had a uh, couple years. So I teach at the law school, and I had a student a couple years ago say, you know, I've been watching you, Derek, since I was was like in junior high. I'm like, thanks for making me feel old. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I've had that channel. Jeez, I didn't have a beard when I first started out. (laughs) Right, and a beard. I don't know why I thought you were bald, though. I definitely was not bald. I had bright red hair. (laughs) I didn't mean to erupt. Sorry. No, that's good. That's good. Let's go around the table and find out who who, who y'all are and introduce yourselves. Uh, Yeah. I'm Kenneth Perkins, uh, president of Unity Gun Club. Uh, I've been an instructor for about three or four years now. I've um, been in the gun community for about seven years now. I've um, been doing this. And, um, yeah, we started the gun club mostly because of um, what EJ just said. And uh, a lot of the reasons um, I wanted to also start one was because I was kind of in the um, area where there's a big, I guess you can say, ne- negative stereotype in the black community of how we view and use guns and you know, that wasn't really me. You know, I was looking at the Vance's ads and wanting to actually go to a range and everything. But it was kind of always me by myself. Um, when I go to the range, I wouldn't see anyone that really looked like me. And I just felt, you know, kind of alone. As sad as that sounds. <laughs> but, why, why do you think that is? Is it Kenny or Kenneth? Either one. I'm Kenny. fine with it. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? I think it's because mostly um, 
it's still just taking time for some of the black community to get out like we do and actually take this seriously. Um, and sometimes the ones who do take it seriously, you kind of if you don't know that they're out there, you know, you kind of just don't know that they're out there doing it as well. Um, but I just think it's a little bit of catch up. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still trying to catch up with where we should be, especially in this area with firearms, um, taking it serious, getting techniques down, becoming professionals with mm-hmm. it. And that's kind of what I was missing because I didn't know it would turn into all of this. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the guidance I was looking for, and I couldn't find it. So I decided to go get it myself. You opened that can of worms. <laughs> I did. Thousands of dollars later in training. Exactly. And, you're, and exactly. Your, your wife probably like, well, you bought another gun today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have uh, you gotten to the point yet where you hide them from her? No. Only one uh, of them. Uh, only uh, one of them. Uh, you, you use a different credit card so she didn't see it? Well, it's my credit card. I hide them, but I make sure... All of them are black guns. She has no idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually have a video called "Don't Carry a Pink Gun." I don't know if you've seen I, that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Let's keep going on the tape, Willie. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, uh, Willie Franklin here, and uh, membership development. For me, I've been a gun owner for about twenty years now, and my thought processes were. There are gun owners, and then there are people who don't own guns. 90% of the time or more, when I would visit the range, there weren't people who looked like me. And I had no concept that there were gun clubs out there. Mm -hmm. Now, I knew there were hunting organizations, but as far as gun clubs, total novice to that reality. I began exploring, reading on the history of guns in America, the history of guns in black America, black gun ownership, and read a book entitled Let It Bang, A Black Man's Reluctant Journey into Gun Ownership. Mm -hmm. That just lit a fire, right? And I just became hungry for more. So I started searching on Google, searching Central Ohio for gun groups, came across the Facebook organization Unity Gun Club, and became so excited. I mean, it was it was like free pizza day, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I met these two gentlemen at uh, Vance's, and kind of the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Absolutely delighted, and I couldn't get enough of the fellowship. You guys uh, still shoot at Vance then? Is that where you guys go, Vance's? Vance. Um, we do. We go a little bit of everywhere, everywhere but yep. at you, at our level now, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn because there's still a lot of skills i need but it's shooting indoor is boring now yeah i get you so you need more movement yeah shoot houses so, things like that mm-hmm. so we just went we haven't done any shoot houses yet but okay. we want to but we just now got into competitive shooting too wonderful so um so yeah so idpa or uspsa uspsa mm-hmm. okay well let me ask you guys because it's you, you, now a couple of you guys have brought it up and uh look Derek, these guys are all black, so if the listeners don't have to figure that out yet. But you said something that interests me because, look, you know, there's this notion that the gun enthusiasts are, like we were talking off the air, it's like these crazy white dudes up in the Upper Peninsula running around with swastikas or something and playing Mm -hmm. militia games. But I don't think that's the normal gun owner, and I don't think that's a fair assessment of the normal gun owner. I mean, I I, I, I think you can be a gun enthusiast and be a normal person. Right, mm-hmm. who who just enjoys it, or who wants the protection, or just wants to exercise the right to carry a gun because they can. And um, but what I'm what I want to ask is, what was the blowback out of the black community, and, and what's the what's the reticence? I know Willie, you said you researched a lot of the history, but like, what's the reticence? Because I don't think that uh, I don't think most folks would would understand or even even think about that. Um, you go ahead, Will. Okay, I, I was going to say, um, 
that hesitation is certainly historic, uh, but there's also a family component to it, right? One of the questions I've asked people is, who of you have received a gun that was a hand-me-down from a family member? And and that's a, that's a very foreign concept in a lot of the black households, right? Um, in households other than black, it's a common reality. Not that it's happening in every uh, neighborhood or every household, but it's my grandfather's gun. It's my mm-hmm. uncle's gun. It's my, my stepmother's gun. It's my cousin's gun that I receive. So a, a lot of that we also see kind of propagates through, and I don't want to give the media black eye, but there's a huge narrative out there with regards to what a gun owner looks like. So if you don't see images of black men and black women um, with firearms, other than on the news or a quick snapshot, movie bad guys says absolutely. You know there there is a crime that's been committed, and that little video clip that may be three seconds long is a black male that you see, and that individual may have had nothing to do with that crime, but the story is about crime in Central Ohio, right? So you begin painting this narrative. And for me, it it kind of became a mission to change that narrative, to get out in the forefront of it, to be that representative. Um, You know, I come from the higher ed environment, about 40 years, just retired in August. And it was not uncommon that as I spoke to colleagues, students, and other individuals on campus, I would get the question of, you know, what do you teach? Without any indication that I was working on curriculum or anything, it was based on diction, right? So that first assessment of who I am is all visual. People are processing Hmm. that, right? Then they hear the voice. Then they hear the vernacular. And all of a sudden, there's a paradigm shift. Well, maybe this guy's not a student. Maybe he's not a sanitation worker or a custodian or a cook. Maybe he's a professor. Um, So that narrative is very powerful. So we, as black men, when we go to the gun range, when we become uh, certified instructors, when we're out and talking on podcasts like this, you're helping to reshape that narrative, right? Yeah. And in a larger sense, you're taking that anxiety level down quite a number of notches. Um, Because if we allow that whole image of violence, black gun to fester, it'll only grow. Right, because that's why, like, just like you said, hand-me-downs, like, I mean, because gun laws were really created to keep black people from having them. So the fact that we didn't inherit those to be able to pass down, um, we didn't, we weren't able to shoot legally in public. So it kept that stigma or that, that, that legality that kept us from being able to do that. Like, I don't know, it just embraced all the black families. So then all black people were like, Mm, you shouldn't have a gun. You know what's you interesting, though, is that what you're describing is sort of maybe there is another paradigm shift going on because, and Derek, maybe you can have some insight. You'll have some insight here, too. But I have found that suburban white families are exceedingly anti-gun now, more so than even when I – now, I grew up in I grew up out in Sunbury, Ohio, where it was in the country, and, and it was that granddad shotgun <clears throat> over the mantle. You know, there was a lot of that going on. My house didn't have that. I didn't – if there was a gun in my house, I know there was. I was. I still don't to this day don't know where it was. It's buried in the attic somewhere. Uh, who knows? And, and maybe there was a Japanese Arasaki hand-me-down somewhere, but it was like a – that was more of a museum piece. But I, I, I found that sort of the political shift out there um, 
is sort of anti-gun. So when I go, when I just go to a party or when I go uh, socialize or do whatever, people are shocked that I actually hunt. People are shocked that I have a munitions podcast. People are shocked at it because sort of the sophisticants now think that it's uncool to have guns or unsafe or it's it's um, uh, it's, it's it's taboo in some way. Mm-hmm. And that, it, you know that's why of all colors, all races, I love it when I hear people trying to do this right. And Willie, what you're talking about, like having that image of responsibility oh, and, and being a statesman. Uh, I think particularly male, not to be chauvinistic about it, but I think a lot of, like what we do impacts what others do perhaps uh, more than we know. Well, Steve, I definitely thought you were a bleeding heart liberal when I first met you. <laughs> yeah. You look just like one. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I've been practicing this area of law. I've owned guns, guys, my entire life for the most part. Wasn't allowed to have guns growing up, funny enough. Uh, my father actually stomp, uh, stomped the pavement for Biden and Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very different politically. Uh, I'm very libertarian-minded, uh, not even like traditional uh, par- party politics. But um, as soon as I got out of high school, I bought my first gun. It was an AR-15. I mean, I went right to it. Um, <laughs> Uncle Sam taught me how to shoot and join the Army, you know. And, and I was from a very, very uh, white culture, small town Ohio. Um, no black friends that I can remember growing up at all. I just wasn't exposed that much. I think we had two black students in my high school. Mm-hmm. So it just wasn't something I was around a lot. So... To me, the gun community was white. That's just what I had experienced. So I'm really happy to see you guys out there. And on the other side of this, uh, the female component has really dramatically improved in the last 15 years. Dramatically improved. Um, And it's a real scary thing when you look at the gun ownership community as a whole because hunting is dramatically down. And it worries me about the next generation of gun ownership. Not because people aren't shooting necessarily, but because I'm afraid of what's going to happen to our rights. That affects all of us mm-hmm. and what's going to happen with an overbearing government not having that discipline of the second amendment um but before we go on before anybody says anything we have a fourth person here hasn't introduced himself yet uh, <laughs> <laughs> andre hasn't talked yet no he's maybe said something he he's gonna slip out of it uh my name is andre scott um and i got started i went to marine corps and that's where i first really got kind of into guns and my job, my MOS, I ended up being an armorer, so I fixed guns. So I was around them all the time. I wore 45 every day at the armory, all day, all the time. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I didn't, I wasn't carrying. It wasn't a big thing to me. Um, but then I kind of got back into it. Um, my brother got me a Glock 23, and I would shoot that with the guys. I would smoke cigars with or whatever, and that's what kind of got me into it. Um, when I was able to get my CCW, I got that, um, and kind of shot, but didn't really shoot a lot because there was no one to go with. You know, there was nobody to go shoot with. I, and I, that, that's why I like the gun club, because there's somebody I can go mm-hmm. shoot with. I'm like, hey, you know, let's try this out, or let's do that. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, that looks fun. <laughs> so we go try it. Um, I, I mean, became an instructor. It's a lot better than a book club, too, yeah, right? He's a book club guy. Kenny is a book club guy. Nothing against a book club. You don't get to shoot. And Very I, true. I, I, took, uh, I got married, and my, I told my wife she had to, to take a CCW course, and she didn't want to. And I was like, you don't have a choice. You take the course. I'll sit in there with you. So I took the course with, with her again, and while I'm sitting in there, for some reason, this is like maybe the third or fourth time I've sat through the whole presentation. I'm like, man, I could do this. I was like, if, and there was a lady teaching the class. I was like, if she fell over dead right now, I could teach this class right now. I'd have to step over, but I could teach this class. <laughs> in the same class, there were, there were 30 people 
there were 15 men and 15 women. There were 15 white people and 15 black people. I was like, ooh, that's pretty cut right down the middle. When we got to the range and they uh, split up people or asked who had firearms experience and who hadn't, the majority of the black people did not have firearms experience. They hadn't, hadn't shot at all. And of the, I think there were like four black people who had fires, arm, firearms experience. They were, had all been in the military. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to change that because um, I know it's a, it's a thing in the black community to, if you have a gun, you're some kind of criminal or you just look bad at, or it's you have a gun, you're making us all look bad. But I haven't done anything but the gun. I just, I just have it. But you have a gun and you're black, you're making us all look bad. Uh, and I just wanted to change that narrative. So that's how, how I kind of got into it and into it even more. Well, thanks for your service. I served as well. Um, when years were you in? I was in from 86 to 92. Um, I was an embassy guard okay. mainly. I only really did armory for a couple years, and then four <clears> years <throat> I was overseas guarding the embassies. We appreciate the service. Well, thank you. That's, how I, that's why I said Uncle Sam taught me how to shoot. <laughs> my dad sure as hell wasn't going to put a gun in my hand. So put a slingshot in my hand, which I thought was much more dangerous than a BB gun. <laughs> put your eye out. But, you know, underlying this conversation, it sort of dawned on me. It's like you guys are talking about a club. And, and, and uh, Andre, you just said something like, well, you weren't shooting a lot because there was nobody to do it with. Yeah. And, you know, there is a communion that happens, I think, that everybody, like these kind of activities bring people together. And it, it could be guns. It could be the book club. It could be uh, it could be bowling. It could be bowling. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to go bowl just by themselves? But how much of that is going on right now in any community? It just seems like that that kind of activity is waning. People aren't going to bowling clubs. There's not the bowling light bowling league out. And I think COVID may have put the death knell in all this stuff because nobody's going out anymore and nobody's actually doing stuff and sharing experiences that aren't like negative. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they're not just uh, sitting at home watching. Uh, this constant stream of political nonsense. And um, instead of that, we could be going out to like a gun club or doing something outside or hunting or, or some activity. So how much of that is drawing membership to you guys, like being able to get together with your community or even others? And tell us more about what you guys actually do. Do you have meetings every month? Like give like a little bit more detail. So yeah, ahead, right please. now we, we started off kind of strong. And then like you mentioned with COVID um, that hit is really hard. Um, Weirdly, though, the class has picked up because of all of the political stuff going on and toilet paper shortages and ammo shortages. <laughs> People didn't know if they were going to have to, you know, fight for the next role of Charmin. So for about that whole summer, um, me and EJ right here, we um, teamed up and we taught classes all summer. I think we sold out about at least six that entire summer. And going back really quick to something you said earlier is about um, the women being a big part of this um, is that. African-American women have become like the biggest portion of new responsible gun overs over the last that's couple great. of years. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, every single class we taught, I would say it was at least 90% African-American women. And they just wanted to be able to learn how to protect themselves. Basically, you know, they all had kids and they were like, yeah, I'm, you know, I just want to know how to protect myself and my children. If come, you know, push the shove, if I have to, how do I load this? How do I take care of it? So um, that was a big thing. Um, right now, we do offer our courses. Um, we are also we do on demand, and we do some that are scheduled. Um, CCW, like we said, but um, that's for the you know mandated ones. We are a constitution of carry state now, so if you still want that license to um, travel with, we would say still get it. But um, we still offer our basic training courses. Um, Red Dot, which is the um, Red Dot pistol optics, of course. Um, that's probably our biggest one. We love. We all shoot Red Dots right now. So. Um, oh no, Willie, you shoot Red Dots? 
I do. Okay. I do. See, we're converting people as well. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, um, but I'm gonna say club meetings. We usually try and have one at least once a month. Once every other month, um, we'll do some virtual meetings every once here, um, here and there. Um, club range outings. Um, we love to use Briar Rabbit out in Zanesville. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're not there, we have some private property we get to use in Pataskala. And that, that's usually just a time for, you know, hey, if you were like us, you didn't have anyone to shoot with, you felt, you know, alone, this is the perfect time to just come and shoot with all of us. We don't care what race you are, how old you are, your, you know, gender, you know, anything. Just this is a safe space. Hence unity. Yes, yeah. exactly. No, they, exactly. They make such a good point there because <laughs> I, I, until like uh, 2010, I had not ever really shot a gun that I can think of. And wait, 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 say it again? Until about 2010. <laughs> you had not shot a gun? Correct. So you, you didn't grow up shooting. I didn't no, know this. not at all. Not at all. Uh-huh. There's one exception. I found the gun I wasn't ever allowed to find in my parents' house, and I took it out in the woods, and I shot it into the ground. And it scared me so much. It scared me so much that I put it away and wrapped it up in the little white diaper cloth that it was wrapped up in. And I still to this day don't know where it is. <laughs> but the point you, the, you triggered a memory with me, man, which is that it's sort of intimidating. You know, when, when you when you hold a gun for the first time and you're looking, it's like, what the heck do you do with this? Like people, like it's almost over. There's certain things that I think um, defeat themselves. Like if I had to just go to a range and I'd never been to a range before, you feel like you don't know what the hell you're doing. You don't even know what yeah, to exactly. ask for. You yeah. don't know what to do. Do I bring my own bullets? Do I do this or that? And, you know, you're, you know, you don't even know the terminology. It's intimidating. And, and intimidating is the right word. And, 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 and honestly, Steve, I think some people in the gun community want it to be intimidating. It's like they feel like it's our turf to some yeah. extent. Not well, all of it, that's, but that's some an extent. Point. What do you guys think? I, I see that. You know, you have the, the cl- like the tactical clothing and all this stuff. Like, if right? You, 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 these dudes show up and all that stuff, and I'm thinking, I just want to sight in this freaking rifle, man. That's all <laughs> I want to do. Can I can I answer that by saying, I'm a big NASCAR fan, and when you're new to NASCAR as a driver, you typically have that rookie stripe on the back of your vehicle. Yeah. You know, when you're running nearly 200 miles an hour and you're coming up on that vehicle, you want to have a sense that the person behind the wheel knows what they're doing. Not that I'm advocating that every new gun owner should wear like a rookie cap, you know, something bright as hell that stands out. But the big thing that we can do as gun owners is just say, hello, how's it going? Start with a little conversation. And it's not to get into anybody's business. It's to build that human connection because that person you say hello to may, in fact, be a new gun owner, may be extremely uncomfortable. And that little greeting opens mm. the door to conversation. That's know, so true. So, yeah, so that, true. you know, you're not firing it into the ground, rushing it back home and wrapping it up. <laughs> um, right. But, you know, and I'll be honest, when I inherited or uh, my wife's father, when he passed away, the guns came to the house. And we had a small child at home, did not have a gun safe. Uh, so I reached out to an officer friend of ours, and he kept all the firearms in his home. Uh, and I would call him up, go pick him up, go to the gun range. It was only after I got the gun safe that I brought him back in the house. And even then, we wanted to make certain that there was always eyes on the kid. And it was a key unit, so it, you know there wasn't a, um, a tumbler mm-hmm. um, combination lock. Uh, so then it comes down to, okay... Where do you hide the key? Where will your kid not look? Kids look everywhere. Yeah. Kids look yeah, everywhere. They'll find it. Yeah. Right. And they have all the time in the world to do it. Right. right. They, they will wait until there's nobody in the house and, and find like I did. 
But you know what you what you said is interesting is that you know the the open the open arms approach and the commonality approach I think is lost in a lot of activities. Like you, you go in and there's a bunch of pros. Like like you go go into like a country club or a golf course or something, and all these guys dressed up and all their stuff, and you're like, well, crap, I can't stand on that first tee. I'm going to look like an idiot. And I, I think it's a it's a great message that you guys have for the community to say, hey, look, call us. We'll take you to this private property. It doesn't even have to be a range. Nobody's going to laugh at you here because mm-hmm. uh, we're going to show you what to do. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we should have done this initially. How do we get a hold of you? Um, you want to do that? Um, yeah, you can, uh, we're on Instagram and uh, Facebook. It's um, Unity Gun Club. And we do have a website that is um, unityguncub.com, or you can email us at support at unityguncub.com. So I got a question. So um, I really like you guys. I want to go shooting with you guys. How does that happen? Cool. <laughs> How do I make that? We go right now. <laughs> <laughs> take some classes. Do I, yeah. have, do I have to uh, have to become a member? Tell no. me more about the organization. Are so, you guys looking to get property ultimately? That is a goal. One day, we all three of us we're we we all have a place we live already, of course. But we're also always like me and him on Zillow, just in case that one house pops up with a lot of land. But um. You can shoot with us whenever. Like, okay. pick a Saturday or a Sunday. Just email you. Like, yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Okay. And say, email us. Um, there's a lot of communication on our social media, especially our Facebook group page. Hey, we're going to be at the range this Saturday. If you want to come along, that's where I'm going to be. You guys normally shoot at Vance's, you said? Where else? Private property. Vance's, Vance's Bullet Ranch. Because the Bullet Ranch will let us draw from holsters. So, you have to take a course to draw from the, your holster uh, at the Bullet Ranch. Okay. Um, but Briar Rabbit Briar is Rabbit. like a shooter's Disneyland. We yeah. love that place. Here we go up you, to Blackwing or anywhere else like that. I've been to Blackwing. That's kind of far out for us. Okay. But so so, so, so is Briar Rabbit. So. LAPD. Yeah, but you can't yeah. do all the stuff LAPD. you can do That's true. at Briar Rabbit. That's true. Okay. Uh-huh. Got it. Yeah, I know that Briar has those nice outdoor bays. Too yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can design your own little setup, you know, what yeah. you want to do. And they're, yeah. they're really they're really cool with it. So it's fun. It's a lot of fun Very out cool. there. But the biggest thing is that we're very accommodating. So well, basically, like he was mentioning, with if you're intimidated, you don't want to go somewhere. Yeah, you can tell anyone's, hey, I really want to shoot with you, but for some reason, I really want to go here. We don't care. We yeah. will, we always usually have our range bags with us anyway, yeah. just in case we stop and shoot. Like I love it. That's not even a yeah. lie. <laughs> so we're always ready. Let me ask you this, because you know, there's this notion that um, in both black and white communities, and I think it's really now down to like a, a different, maybe even a poverty level, but it's like. Is there? Are you guys doing any outreach to get young men uh, and young women involved? Because I think we were talking off the air, Derek. It's like my son just got his driver's license, and almost immediately I saw this this level of responsibility increase. Like his maturity level went up almost overnight when he could go to work, drive himself to McDonald's at work by himself, mm-hmm. and then come back. And he's like, "Hey, Dad, I'll meet you for dinner." And I'm like, "That means he's driving to meet me there." You know, it's like, and that that it, it, to me it's stupid because I could just pick him up. But he wanted to do that, and it's a level of responsibility. And it got me thinking. It's like, uh, as we've been talking, it's like if we take our kids and black and white alike, it doesn't make a difference mm-hmm. to me. Um, if if we work with them to give them a res- responsibility and everybody out there is going to be listening, it's like, I can't believe it. There's these school shootings going on. You want to train kids to use guns. It's because what it's, it's almost always the opposite of what people think, you know, mm. it's it, like people want to pressure the problem and really what it needs is, is more love. You know, the kids need love. They need, they need that responsibility to understand what these things are and what they aren't and what you can and can't do with them. So I just like to get your thoughts on that, and and you know we've been talking about the black community, but to me it's both. Right, we and do um, we do have classes for youth. Um, we've taught our own children um, 
that's why we like Briar Rabbit too because Briar Rabbit will let you take any age as long as you're you're safe out there. And I've taken, I have five. And I always say this because I don't want everybody to think I have that many kids. Oh. I have one bio <laughs> and four of them are my wife's. Um, but uh, so I have five kids and I've had them all shooting. And one of them has a sensory disorder and I even got her shooting too. So, mm. but we do safety classes for children and we also, you know, teach kids to shoot. And what's your experience like? I mean, it, it, my buddy was a camp counselor up at um, a camp up in Vermont one year. And uh, he just said, look, if you want to control a um, hundred young boys then then threaten them with the ability or threaten them with the opportunity to shoot a 22 rifle at a target they will all snap to it they will all listen to you it's like listen if you do this and you're going to be able to shoot this gun at this target and he said he could control a whole line of kids that way just just with the because they're so excited to do it but what's your what's your experience with your kids and, and with other kids and how they respond to it um, it's really the most focus that you see these kids mm-hmm. ever. Um, now, when they're not on the shooting line and they're, you know, they're back, they, you know, you have to have somebody with them because they're they're wild. But when they're on the line, they're nervous. They're paying attention to every word you say. It's like the only time that kids want to listen to you um, is when you're teaching them how to use a gun. So I teaching my five kids to shoot was probably one of the easiest things. And they're not an adult. So they don't have all these bad tendencies ingrained. So they listen to everything that you tell them to do. Um, my my um, son, who is I think he's ten now. Don't don't judge me. I'm bad with age, but he holds the pistol like you're supposed to hold it. Um, he's he has a little holster that he walks around with his little toy gun around the house with and everything. And he's always wanting to go shoot. So I'm I'm signing him up for a That's shooting great. league. But mm-hmm. yeah, so is I love teaching kids to shoot. They listen and they. They don't fight you when you give them ideas like like my wife fights me when I tell her how to hold a gun correctly. So. You know, one thing that's really interesting in the gun community, even in the white community, um, tactical shooting wasn't a thing when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Having a holster wasn't a thing. Right. Like you might get a twenty two and go out and shoot it. So, you know, props to you. Yeah. Because that's going to be the next generation that's going to take this discipline and, and carry it forward. Right. I think it's an mm-hmm. important thing. So, so Willie, I got to – What's your what's your take on on this? So we have these kids that are out there, like the the latest school shooting in Nashville, and these are kids with firearms. Um, but we're talking here about training kids to use firearms, and the, you know, there's a whole faction of the, of the political society right now that's going to be saying, "You guys are freaking crazy." You know, you what? You want more guns? You want more guns? And and, and with all the shooting going on, we should be banning these guns. And you know, I, I'm I'm only asking you because you haven't talked in a while. But how do you how do you square this? Uh, for me, it's easier to square. I I, th- I think it's mission critical if you have guns in the house, teaching your kids about being responsible owners of firearms is an automatic default for me. Uh, for those who say, you know, with all the school shootings, should we be teaching kids about guns? I say absolutely, absolutely, because the reality is we have yet to interview a school shooter who's been a happy, outstanding, contributing member of society, just a really good disposition, a person that you want to be mentored by, right? It's always boiled down to some level of maniacal thinking, some dysfunction. I am not a psychologist by any means, although I'm a dad and a grandfather, but the reality really shows us concretely that once kids recognize their responsibility, whether it's cleaning their room, putting away their toys, folding laundry, doing household chores, 
You don't touch that. We touch it together. We talk about it. Here's how you hold it. Here's how you're not to hold it. Can you say guns when you say that, please? Absolutely. Because someone may come into this podcast at the wrong moment. Oh, man. <laughs> What's that all about? Well, it's about gun ownership. It's about gun safety. It's about safe handling of that gun when you're teaching your children, uh, when you're inviting youth to become efficient with guns from operation to cleaning to even personal care, you know, of understanding what is my role with this firearm? What can I do? What can I not do? What should I never do? Um, it's it's not rocket science. Well, and it's, you make such a good point because it's never the kid who goes out to the garage and works on a car with their dad who ends up as a school shooter. It's never the kid who works on models in the basement with their dad that's a school shooter or goes hunting with their dad or shoots with their dad. And it, I think it's all about if you're doing that with your kids. I mean, I had a buddy that once said that, if, look, it, it, I have found when my kids get in trouble, what I need to do is go spend time with them. And yeah, it, yeah. it's not it, it was so insightful because what he's imparting his wisdom as a father on his child. But if he's with his kid, his kid's not getting in trouble. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any of the school shooters also, none of them are like shooters. They might be gun owners. Most of them just bought the gun. Right. But none of them are actually in the gun community. So you get someone in the community, again, talking about responsibility, teaches them that responsibility, teaches them respect. And when you, one of the first things you learn is not to point the gun at somebody else because it could go off. So it teaches them respect for life. Absolutely. That's a good point. You know, even when I get my uh, firearm out and I'm preparing to leave the home, I am cognizant of where that muzzle is pointed. Even if I know I'm the only one in the house, that my wife or no other family members are there, right? Because what if there were a negligent negligent discharge? Where is that projectile going? It's that level of responsibility and accountability that when we're talking with our kids, that we're instilling that information. And it's that lack of of knowledge that scares most people i mean truly and you know those same folks and again i won't bash people who may be gun phobic you know it's it's their right not to like this or that to like jazz versus rock whatever but are those same people having realistic conversation about mental health in the u.s are they having conversations about social workers that are overworked and underpaid are they having same sane conversations about guns in school when it comes to having officers at the door, security all over the place, locking down all doors, basically telling everyone in that school, including the kids, that you should be terrified to be here. I I mean, it's there's a whole nother message. And I'm not saying our schools shouldn't be secure. You know, we as parents, as loved ones, should be comfortable when we send the little ones off to school that they're going to be safe, that mm-hmm. they're going to be educated. And personally, I never want an educator to serve as a security officer. Now, I also th- don't want an educator to lose their job if they're licensed to carry and permitted to carry on school property. But their right. single focus needs to be on educating that youth. If crap hits the fan, I believe they have the legal right to preserve their life in the life of others, if there is no other choice. Yeah, I mean, I'm my degrees in elementary education, even though I don't teach. If I was a teacher in Ohio, I think the the law is now that you can carry as a as a teacher, if, if I'm not mistaken. 
Uh, they just changed this. They have to be trained. They have trained. Yeah, and I know that it was being done by Buckeye Firearms Foundation through Tactical Defense Institute mm-hmm. if the school board would vote for it. So I'm not exactly sure where it stands, but I think the state has come in and offered a mobile training unit that right. now trains them, which, you know, because the state does things so well, let's have yeah. them train people because um, <laughs> cops are the best trained people in the world. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I, I you know, I, I wish I had a better answer for right. you. Um, but I, I know they've changed it recently in the last, I think, 12 months. There was a new law that right. was passed. So, yes, in Ohio, schools can have firearms in them. Now, the process to get to that point, I'm not exactly sure right. what the, what what's in the weeds there. Okay. So I don't want the kid, the teachers to be required to carry a firearm. But sure. I want, like, a, like if I was to be teaching, I want to be that teacher that's going to have a firearm in my class because I know I have the training for right. it, hours and hours of training. You save lives. Right. So, again, I don't want teachers to be required to. I don't want all teachers to have it because then if, if all the kids know that all the teachers have one and you're in a school that's a really bad school, they could just go jump that teacher. I'd, I'd prefer security guards, but... I mean, I get where the idea comes from yeah. of, of having teachers who are armed. Yeah. You know, you brought up, somebody brought up jujitsu. You a jujitsu guy? I am. You know, it's interesting because, you know, there's this, I, for whatever reason, I did this dive into into uh, boxing movies over the weekend. I was just sort of bored. <laughs> I but watched Creed 3. I watched Creed 3, yeah. too, and then it took me backwards. I watched 2 and 1, and then uh, uh, I watched the uh, Southpaw, which is another one with uh, Jake. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, what's, what's not lost on me is that, and and that spans all races, both races, right? Those those movies. Um, it's funny how we take kids who are otherwise troubled or could get on the wrong track, and we bring them into a combat sport, and it and it prevents the violence. Right. And uh, so when you take kids into boxing, it creates a discipline, even though it's a violent activity. Mm-hmm. It tends, I think, to keep them from engaging in violence outside that activity, um, like jujitsu, I'm sure. And I think a lot of ways, why would guns be any different? You know. Right. So I have two of my kids. Uh, of the army of kids that I have in, in jujitsu. We haven't been for a little bit. I have back issues, but we're going back soon. But um, it's uh, it's definitely something that is, it teaches responsibility there, um, like with combat sports, firearms, and stuff like that. I got into it because I took a red dot class with Scott Jelinski, uh, Modern Samurai Project, and he was like, if you shoot guns, you need to do jujitsu. So um, my fat ass is out there sweating on everybody, <laughs> rolling around on the mat, and also have my kids in it. So it's it's a beautiful thing, that and firearms. I'm not surprised. I did jiu-jitsu for like a year, year and a half. I mm-hmm. represented a couple of gyms, and it's pretty common, the intertwining between martial arts and gun ownership. It There's is. a lot of similar disciplines that come into play. Um, I actually do yoga, and mm-hmm. yoga is extremely helpful with shooting because of the breathing techniques right. and calming your body down and things like that. Yeah, I'm so. too fat for yoga. That's not <laughs> but she calls it my structure or my architecture, right? right? Oh, your architecture doesn't allow you to get in that position. <laughs> so you're saying I'm fat. <laughs> Let's go out to eat. <laughs> I like architecture. It's pretty yeah. good, too. So what about the news? I mean, what, you, you know, you, you see on the news that there's two political parties that are at, at each other's throats. And, you know, you it's, it's almost become cliche that one party doesn't want guns and the other one does. And I don't think that's a fair representation of exactly what this is um, uh, in reality. But uh, what's your guys' take on that? Oh, no. Um, so I'll be honest with you. I, I am a liberal. I, I, I align more with the liberal side. But um, I, my friend here, Andre, says I'm American before anything. Um, there was a and I'm not going to mention the company, but there was a gun company not too long ago who did an interview and he started calling left and right enemy. We're not enemies. We just we have an idea and we decide to go about these ideas. We have a goal. 
and we have different ways of going about. We all have the same goal, but we're going about it differently. And then I think the 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 I don't know, we're calling each other enemies like because you're on the left, you're my enemy because you're on the right, you're my enemy. Like that's not where we need to be. Like no. that's definitely not where we need to be. Like I said, no. I am liberal, but a lot of of 99% of my gun friends are all uh, all all conservative. And but again, we're not enemies. We're we're American. Well, it's funny how things like it, but there's a, there's a there's a key to what you guys have just said and I see all you guys nodding and I think I'm nodding too for the same reasons. Like, yes, we are Americans. And once we have that in common, you know, we can debate about how we spend the money. We can debate about who who like what policies you have. But if we start with we're Americans first and we have these rights and one of the rights we have is the right to bear arms mm-hmm. and right to free speech and we have uh, you know, once once we can agree on that stuff, it seems pretty easy, but it, uh, I, I think in the last couple of years, we've been locked in our houses. We've been polarized by, by I think, a news media that makes a lot of money doing that to us. And um, and I think it's sort of uh, we're starved in this vacuum of any commonality. And what you guys are doing is creating commonality by creating an activity that's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we can all we're all ta- look, we're I don't know where you guys are from. I don't know what your backgrounds are. You know, we can look at our skin color and it's different. But we all we have this in common right here right now and we're engaged in an interesting conversation about it and it, it, it seems almost ridiculous to take that away right it, it's it's counterintuitive uh, speaking of that i've been wondering what are your guys's backgrounds can we go around the table and you said academia you said marine corps but what do you guys do for a living where you're from where do you live i was born and raised in columbus ohio went to marine corps now i work for the state of ohio whereabouts in columbus uh east side i graduated from eastmore eastmore okay mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you do for the state? You don't want me to ask? I uh, work in unemployment fraud. Okay. Mm. Yeah, there was a lot of that. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I can't tell you how many letters our office. That's job security. Yeah, our office got so many letters during COVID saying this person applied for unemployment. Like, I don't even know who this person is. <laughs> don't, don't come to me. Oh, okay. So are you the guy running around with cameras, like taking pictures of the, of the dude cutting his lawn and while he's collecting unemployment? <laughs> That's old school. We don't do that. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. Now it's drones. Now it's drones. <laughs> hey, this is Willie. Um, I'm originally from the South. Uh, used to have a deep Southern accent. I can hear it still. It's still uh, there. Oh, my goodness. And the ridicule. So I worked to suppress it quite a bit. Huh. So let's what, hear what's, for suppressors. What state were you from? Uh, Georgia. Georgia. Okay. Yep. We, we had an office there. My law partners uh, lived there for a number of years. Oh, yes. I love that Southern draw, yes. man. Yeah. I, I, yes. I, I've always loved that accent. It is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Thank you. And for me, technology is everything. Uh, I, I, I built my career on technology, uh, working in higher ed, and I just can't get enough of it. But now that I'm retired, I want little to nothing to do with it. <laughs> where, where did you teach? Uh, I was Audubon University and mm-hmm. senior technology specialist, event uh, technology coordinator, director of our technology department, a multitude of different hats. Gotcha. Um, the opportunities there were just incredible. I mean, the field of technology just changes at light speed. Mm-hmm. But once you step away from that, th- there's this freedom that you start to embrace because you're no longer being pushed down the road by the movement of technology you can decide whether you want to or, or not to dive into anything that looks, smells, tastes, feels like tech. And I love canoeing. I love, I love canoeing too. Yes. I love camping <laughs> in the mountains. I was just there last past weekend. Just got yes. back yesterday. 
no resources. You take everything no that phone. you need. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And you search for service and yeah. you go, oh, well. I took, uh, I took 30 days off work once and hiked the entire John Muir Trail out in California. Uh, took about four I, days to get adjusted, no phone. Man. Mm. No. I'm... I'm envious. I'm envious. <laughs> well, you said you don't want to get anything into academia. I may ask you to come teach at my class ne- in two weeks. So there I teach some... sec- Second Amendment law at the law school. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, and I actually had a student ask me, I love the presumptuousness of the question. It was, well, are you going to teach this year about how gun, gun laws were, uh, what'd she say? She said, we're there to oppress black people or something like this. I'm like, well, I don't think that's what they existed for, but you know, we'll try to address that. So. It's... It'd be good to have someone like you come and talk. Well, I, I, I welcome that. That would be absolutely fantastic. And one interesting thing is we talk about gun laws in history, and then I'll pass the mic. Um, in, in the reading, I mean, I, I, I can honestly say I was shocked to, to read in the history of this country that black gun ownership was such that in order for a black male to have a gun, he would need to be in the proximity or carry a note of a white male at least 16 years of age hmm. in order to carry that firearm uh, so that black male and carrying the firearm would carry it to protect himself in the, pr- in the property of his owner. Hmm. If we go that far back in time, right? Um, certainly a lot has changed throughout time, but if we can look at the reality of black own- gun ownership, that's one component of it. The other aspect of it is as we look at b- bias and implicit bias, imagine black male, black female, anyone other than white going into a gun store to buy a firearm. How are you likely to be treated? Uh, so we have to look at retail establishment, the lack of entry as a component to the reduced number of black gun owners. Going forward now, looking at the numbers that have grown considerably over the last 15, 20 years, that's really, in my opinion, a big a big aspect of what politics has done mm-hmm. and the media has done. Mm-hmm. You know, when Obama, I feel like I'm going to go off on a tangent, so I'm going <laughs> to... I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, when gun sales went through the roof as he started to run uh, for the Oval Office and ammunition became scarce because people were buying in mm-hmm. such quantity, it was, it was fear-based. So it wasn't really based on the notion of losing or the Second Amendment all of a sudden being under attack because you didn't have black people lining up going, let's take away gun ownership here in America. Mm -hmm. It it wasn't happening. It was more, hey, not on my watch. I mean, that was really the reality. And then there was a counter reality to that. You know, Obama actually campaigned to the gun owners. He had the shotgun, remember the shotgun scene and all that? Mm-hmm. Now you get, uh, you know, I don't want to bring politics too much into the, the equation, but now they don't even try. Mm-hmm. It's just completely divided. They, it's, they've it's given really, up. It, right? They've yeah. given up. It's sad. It's, it's very sad. sad. It's very so sad. I feel like I have a moral duty to bring more people into gun ownership. Uh, so I, I will say this. My wife's adult daughter who lives and works as a professional in Chicago, wonderful young lady. She is uh, a rock star. But it was anti-capitalism, anti-gun, would definitely say she was liberal. So we sat down and we talked. And I laid out some of the rounds and we talked about different calibers. And I asked her to watch about five or six different YouTube videos. That culminated into a trip to the range that she loved and she asked to go back. And every time she visits town, she asks, do we have time to go to the range? Hmm. And so now she is looking to become a gun owner. 
So again, if you're not having conversation versus confrontation, you're, you're missing an opportunity to just build a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's not an easy one, right? Yeah. It's and it's interesting, one. you know, as a, look, I, I've got my own podcast and I've been representing folks accused of crimes for 28 years now and, and just sort of seeing how, uh, government attempts to fix these things almost always fails. And it almost always fails so miserably that it causes problems beyond any anybody's imagination, um, unrelated to what they were trying to solve. And the government always has, um, and this is Thomas Sowell, I'm stealing it directly from him, but he always had, they always have the same responses. It's not that the policy was bad, you didn't let me do enough. And what you guys have stumbled on here is the antidote to that. You guys have stumbled onto the grassroots solution to this. So, like, it, look, if, if your goal is to uh, increase education and knowledge and responsible gun ownership, you created a club, and guess what you're doing? Increasing education and knowledge and responsible gun ownership, and who's not doing it? The government's not doing it. You're doing it. We're people. We're, we're great at doing this stuff when left our own devices to do it. And and I think that's what you're getting at, Willie. When, when we have this shared communion of information, and you know, it's not like, well, we're going to force and cram down uh, some program that makes you learn about guns. It's not going to work. But when, you're, when your niece or whoever you're talking about comes into town and you lay this out and you have this rational conversation, next thing you know, you got a trip to the range. You know, in a year, she'll probably own her own gun if she's allowed to in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, also, going into the history part that uh, Willie was talking about because he's one of the people I love to talk about history with. So this is Kenneth. Yes. Um, there's a book called Negroes in the Gun, The Black Tradition of Arms. I by, just bought uh, that, by Nicholas the way. Johnson. It's, I bought that a week ago, Kenneth. It's... I haven't read it yet, but I just got it. It's an amazing book. Is it good? I'm glad you got it. I mean, if you have students who are asking questions about like the history of yeah. firearms, especially when we're saying it's African-Americans, that's definitely one of the books. Y- you know what's sad about teaching academia now? I had thought about that, but I also thought about putting that on the syllabus. And if somebody would protest it just because it was triggering, yeah. you know what I mean? Just because it used the word Negro in it. And I'm like, I don't know if I can put that on the syllabus without getting fired we're, we're in, in today's day and age. I'm really kind of worried about that, yeah, you know, but it's a legitimate text. And that's it is sad. what it is. It's there. It was there. It's history. It's there. You're there to be educated. Sure. Be educated. Get educated. That's ridiculous. I love it. Yeah. I love it. But yeah, if you were to use one, I mean, that book I read, I'm thinking about reading it a second time. Um, it's a great Great, great way to learn about the history of what happened and See, why we are having to do what we're doing. You're an avid reader. Oh, big reader. I'm a, I'm a, I'll go ahead. Yeah, I'm a book cup admin for Black Men Read. Um, okay. It's kind of like this where we're trying to bring, you know, more people into this because it's not really part of our culture. A big part is trying to get more black men to get into the world of literature, to, okay. you know, learn about our history, to just learn to read, help up becoming authors. But yes, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a awesome. book nerd. I, love that. <laughs> I uh, you know, I can't stress that enough that uh, if there's a common, if there's a, well, in academia, I'm sure you've seen it. If there's a common thread between success in this world and not, it would be like people who read a lot tend to do better. And mm-hmm. I'm telling my kids this all the time because they're staring at their freaking phones and they're not reading as much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that's also one aspect of gun ownership is the, is the fact you get to take it apart. You get to have your hands on it. You get to learn, mm-hmm. right? You get to learn how to do yeah. something. Yeah. And reading's like that. So mm-hmm. when when you you have to process stuff, and if you can read one book, you can read another. Mm-hmm. And if you like one, well, guess what? You might like another one. Exactly. And you go down this rabbit hole of an author, and it's like it's endless. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know your mind is that muscle that needs to be uh, exercised all the time. So you, you, I 
I guess all I'm doing is saying awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's fun. Kenny, so Kenny, what's your background? Where, where do you come from? Um, I started off my life down in Mobile, Alabama. Alabama. And um, I was there until I was about six, I believe. And I um, came here to Columbus, Ohio. And I was here until I was about mid-teens. And I went down to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, started college there and then ended up coming back here. Been here ever since. Um, my background has always been IT, technology. Um, I've kind of branched out away from the help desk situation to now I'm in the cloud, um, working with some software support for a company based out of uh, players. And um, so I'm basically doing that. A lot of cloud work with Microsoft. Um, gun stuff, of course. Love being an instructor. Love shooting Great. competition shoots. Um, being a little budget gunsmith. <laughs> That's what I call it. <laughs> That's great. Uh, but yeah. All right. Uh, EJ, I, my background is elementary education. Um, I I went to Berea College in Kentucky. Um, I come from a real small town um, in southern Ohio called, I'm going to say it's Burlington, um, but everybody would know it as either South Point or Ironton. Um, and so I ended up up here um, probably about 10, 13 years ago. Um, and now I, I work for Medicaid, and I process uh, provider claims and stuff like that and just – and. Then I do guns. Just so. ordinary people. Ordinary yeah, people. Just ordinary people that, yeah. that, that found some commonality. I, I do want to know what y'all carry. If you're not, you're not opposed to telling me. <laughs> oh, I'll, I will always, I will always tell everybody. I carry a Glock 17, 17. Uh, full size, um, with big a gun t- for a big man. Big, big gun, big man. <laughs> uh, I, in a uh, uh, tier one concealed uh, modern samurai. Um, Pro Series Flex holster with a Holosun 508T. I like Holosun a lot. Yeah, and my I'm a t- stop. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking guns, man. Listen, and then for all the people who say if you have a Glock, you modify it. I have nothing on my Glock that's modified except for a stipple. That's it. So I'm, I'm an advanced armor. I make ready firearms. I agree with you. I'm an advanced armor. I did put a red dot on. I had it cut for that, mm-hmm. but uh, I highly recommend the armors classes for yeah. you. you I plan on getting. Yeah, some, yeah. you sign up with GSSF Glock Sports Shooting Foundation, mm-hmm. thirty five bucks. And then you can sign up for the armors class. Right. So it's a lot of fun. I think, yeah, you I think it's Kenny's turn now. <laughs> <laughs> He's chopping it a bit. Um, I'm currently carrying a Walther PDP um, full size with a four inch barrel, um, Surefire Light, and a Kydex holster made by AR Designs. Okay. And um, yeah, I think that's pretty much. I don't think I have anything special. I have an Overwatch Precision Trigger on it. Walther's come a long way mm-hmm. in the self-defense market. It's a it's a beautiful gun. Yeah, they've come. CZ's come and, a long way too. Yeah, as well as Walther. Yeah. yeah, and my my red dot on there is the um, Holosun 509T, okay. also known as the Bus. He, he has all yeah. the good equipment. So it's it's beautiful. <laughs> Willie, the Bus, he says. <laughs> all right, uh, for me, it's a it's a small Sig 380 uh, yeah. pocket pistol, and is it the uh, SAS or just uh, the standard straight? Just a standard straight. Okay, so the sights are on single top. Stack. Yeah. Yep. And uh, no red dot on this one, and I will soon be migrating to something I'm gaining comfort in carrying is the uh, Shield Plus uh, with okay. a red dot, red dot, sorry, uh, and a uh, level two holster. One is something that's going to be secure outside the waistband that you you can't just walk up behind me, catch me off guard, and pull it. Okay. Um, and you said six three eighty. Is that the caliber or the model? That's the uh, caliber. The caliber. What's yep. the model of the gun? I thought you said three sixty five. The model, I believe, it's a uh, P two sixty five. Two sixty five. I think it's like the three sixty five, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Just a smaller version of it. Right. Uh, oh. I'm sorry. 
I thought the 365 was a three. Nine, they had a 380 millimeter, but they have a 380 one too. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's still called a 365. Mm. I don't oh. know. I don't shoot 380. Yep. Um, and it, it's between camping, bike riding, and just outdoor activities. It's just very yeah. easy to conceal when you get into the subcompact. Uh, but um, want to scale where, up capacity a bit, though. Where do you go camping at? Um, it's safe to say I camp all over. One of my favorite places is the Allegheny National Forest near Warren, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, just going up on the mountains. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, Elm Creek. Yeah. Kentucky, Georgia, Florida. Um, Everywhere. Uh, Tennessee. I yeah. Uh, uh, there, you just kind of spin the wheel and, and go for it. My honeymoon, we, we rented an RV Canada. and camped around New Zealand for two weeks. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> and I actually ran into a gun owner that I was putting with through one of my instructors here in the States, and I went okay. down and met with him. and fascinating culture down there even like pro pro gun people are very very pro gun control down there uh very very different world so very mm, interesting man yeah ah uh, wonderful okay i was carrying up until recently a wather pdp four inch um i had a little work done to it uh, i had it chunk ported some stuff like that but now i'm carrying the new uh sig p365 macro the tac ops ones hmm. and I, I love it it feels real good it's smaller but i can get a full grip on it and i shoot it well i can still draw it pretty quickly and i carry it in but well both of them i use uh tier one holsters access elite with a sidecar mm-hmm. uh, do you find it difficult to load that magazine i have two 365s it, it and they're both very stiff um now i've had the first uh, p365 now it's easy i can load it by hand Okay. But I've had it since it came out. Yeah. And for like the first few months, I just kept it loaded. Yeah, I kept yeah, yeah. all the magazines loaded. Yeah. And then when I would shoot them, I would load them back up. That's, and that's I, what I I'm agree doing with, with, that. the, yeah. with the with this TAC op one. Those they're seventeen round mags and they are just about as stiff when they get down to seventeen as those uh twelve round mags were. Mm-hmm. But I like I I just keep them loaded. They're loaded right now at a week in the spring. And here in about six yeah. months, I'll be able to load it by hand. I've been told different things about why you should get your magazines loaded in storage or not. Mm-hmm. And I'm not an engineer, but I've been told if you keep them loaded, it doesn't affect the compression strength because it's no. when you go back and forth that you affect the energy mm-hmm. of the yeah. compression. It, it, it doesn't. I've I've had magazines for years, and they all work. They have. I don't. I don't know anybody who said a magaz- my magazines wore out. It's people yeah. who don't know anything about guns that make these things. Yeah, right, right. It hasn't worn out. So yeah. what do you guys, what's your stance on uh, the dreaded media-ridden assault rifle? Do you guys, what's your, and the AR-15 or semi-automatic rifles, I mean, what's your take on those? It, Love them. They, I, <laughs> I, okay, <laughs> I'm not a rifle person. I'm a pistol person, but I'm, a, I'm not a rifle person because... I don't know anything about rifles. I have rifles. I have ARs and AKs. I just don't shoot them as much as pistols. I find pistols are more difficult, um, and I, I think it's funner to try to use. So that's why. I, so, but I to as far as the AR-15, it's not a it's not a devil. It's a good gun. It's just a rifle. It's yeah, a it's rifle. just a rifle. <laughs> Functions like any other rifle. Right. Yeah. And the caliber is actually fairly small when you think about it. It's, only, it's basically yeah. a diameter of a twenty-two. Yes, you're saying it makes the same exact size yeah. holes as a twenty-two. Yeah. I think the media just knows that they can point to the big gun that can hold a lot of rounds, and that's very scary. Yeah, and use that as a scapegoat for all of the things they need to do that will actually stop these yeah. shootings and say, "Hey, we should get rid of that big, bad, scary gun." And maybe this wouldn't happen. So, I mean, it's annoying. I mean, it's like 
everyone in the gun community deals with it. We just see it and we're just like, oh, here we go again. But it's hopefully eventually they'll see that it's not, you know, it shouldn't be the focal point of the conversation for certain things. Well, people like you, hopefully that's the case and Mm -hmm. people will start to listen. Yeah, And I can't help but wonder how many of the mass shootings are copycat scenarios with regards to the choice of firearms. You know, EJ, you mentioned about you can tell these people are not shooters Mm -hmm. based on what they're doing and, and so on. What I wonder then is if school shootings were launched with people habitually using a 22 caliber pistol, would that become the norm? Would that be the evil weapon of choice? I would agree because when the shooting started, mass shooting started, they were AKs. And then when AR became popular, then they started being being AR. So it is is it's copycast. People don't know about guns. Some of it could be social media. I mean, you you get you get famous like that, and you get that attention that you you're thirsting for. You you just feel like you're not being seen in the world, and all of a sudden you're seen. And I don't know that it's the gun. I don't think it's the gun that's the issue. It's a variety, a myriad of things, and I think social media is a big driving force of that. Yeah. In my opinion, it's big fear because I mean. Out of all gun crimes or homicides, 59% of them are with a handgun, and half mm-hmm, of those mm-hmm. are suicides. Mm-hmm. Um, only about, I think it's 23.1 is are with uh, assault rifles, and then I think it's one point something are with shotguns. So um, it's just something for everybody to point fingers at instead of actually trying to solve an issue. Well, you know, and and I, I have to say, when I bought my AR, I was just delighted. Right, because it was something that I had wanted for the longest time. Growing up watching Rat Patrol and Combat. Rat Patrol, um, yeah. Oh, early <laughs> in my youth. Those are yeah. great. Uh, the M16, I, it just looked like the coolest thing. Mm. And every stick in my yard was an M16. <laughs> and it was only when I got to the level that I felt I was proficient and knowledgeable that I bought the AR. Um, prior to that, it was just something big that was on the wish list because it fulfilled that goal Mm -hmm. that I'd set for myself. And when you set goals and you work towards them, there is a curriculum that you put in place. So for me, it was about building that knowledge, getting to that point of becoming comfortable and then going out and making that purchase. Well, look, guys, we got to wrap it up. It's been about an hour. I say to cut up, but I know Derek's uh, got, uh, you got to get over to teach. I got to go teach. Yep. But uh, this doesn't have to be the this last about, time. This is much funner, though. Yeah, I like this. I've had more fun with this yeah, conversation. My students don't even pay attention to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> so one last time, tell us how to get a hold of you guys, because we're not done. You know, We're going to go shooting with you guys, and we're going to uh, We're going to podcast back. that shit right from the range. Yes, we are. Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> I, envision, I envision maybe some video podcasting and some other stuff going on. So. That would be, awesome. be beautiful. So how do we get? Um, yeah. how, how does the general public, the, the millions of munitions podcast <laughs> listeners that are now wondering uh, what they need to do to go shoot with you guys? Uh, I'll say the easiest way is if you go to unityguncub.com, um, there's going to be links all over there to get to our Facebook page, our Instagram page, and our email address. Um, email address is support at unityguncub.com. On Facebook, you will find a Unity Gun Club page and a Unity Gun Club um, private group. Um, you can request access, and that's that's the main thing we'll use for all of our members to communicate with each other for range trips, general questions, and things like that. And then we have our own individual. So yours is Cap City Armory, right? My in- individual um, page would be Cap City Armory on Instagram. I'm Big Bearded Gunner. I don't get it. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the hat came off. <laughs> <laughs> And then 
you guys have any personal contact information you want to give out to the audience? I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Professionally, Willie Franklin. Willie, yeah. Um, <laughs> and of course, uh, Franklin DJ and Event Services. Uh, I, I don't shy away in talking about guns. Uh, I, I, I'm forthcoming in that regard. And I figure that's the best way of reducing fear. You know, sure. Because when people see the smiling face and they hear the conversation, they go, okay, I'll, I'll listen to you. You look harmless. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. And I have an uh, Instagram at I kick set I K I K kick. No C. I kick set. Because I'm a drummer. I play the drums too. Um, and yeah. Okay. Check us out. All right. Well, usually we do an ammo can question where we take a question from one of the listeners, but we're not going to do that because we got to wrap it up. But uh, well, look, everybody, you know how to reach these guys now. We're going to reach these guys and we're going to do a lot more of them uh, right here at Munitions podcast.